Welcome to the First Down Rundown podcast, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. Uh, this is clearly not the place for Hayden today, because uh, I am doing the intro. That means that I am riding solo, well, semi-solo, uh, in this episode of the First Down Rundown podcast. Obviously, it's a big a big week. Uh, we're going to get into all that later, but first, I will introduce the guest that I am joined by today, and her name is Maureen Vozar. Hello, everybody. I am Mitty slash Matt's wife, um, and I'm going to replace Hayden tonight because I'm pretty salty since the boys had said that I could come talk about my favorite team, the one and only Bills, um, and I never got the invite. So here I am making my appearance and making my presence known. That's really great. I mean, it's you know, it's it's about time. Obviously, we you know we've we've kind of been here and there on it. We had the fantasy episode. She's a Bills fan, as she just said. Wait, did you say that you were a yeah, Bills fan? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she's a Bills fan, as you as you heard. We had the Bills episode in the previews, and we did the AFC East. And I was like, yeah, you can join for that. And then we just didn't. Uh, similar of a fantasy episode. Last year was Marine's first year playing fantasy football. She loved it, uh, and uh, we were gonna have her on for that one too. And then that just didn't happen. So uh, yeah, so here we are. But it's. What what a better weekend or week to have Marine on the podcast. I also I call her Reen, uh, just as a shortening for Marine. Um, it's like Marine biology, except I just call her Reen. So uh, what what a better week though than than after the first week of NFL football? I mean, this is really like obviously everyone out there who's listening to the podcast watched football this weekend. You had week two of college football on Saturday. You had week one of the NFL on Sunday. It was a big week for sure. Um, obviously, you know. It was week one, and it's kind of what we expected week one to be in the sense that, you know, scoring's a little bit down, right? A little bit of, little bit of sloppy play on the offense and defensive side of the ball. Not too many penalties in terms of just kind of like stupid mistakes, uh, but we did see stupid mistakes from many quarterbacks throughout the league, as we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, and, and right again, scoring down, and that too I think we talked about it a little bit in the, in the last episode, but a lot of that is is I think due to kind of the, the, the way that defenses are playing coverage now in the NFL against the quarterbacks who are high-flying and want to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and, and like I said, we'll kind of get into that a lot more uh, later on. Um, but first, we have kind of the, I mean, obviously the, the the biggest news coming out of the weekend. I'll let Maureen go ahead and introduce this first topic. So first I have to say that, yes, last year was my first year playing fantasy. And for those of you who are listening to our podcast, we're not our podcast, I'm sorry, Matt and Hayden's podcast, the first down rundown podcast, um, and you're listening to it in the car with maybe a family member or somebody who has no clue what they're talking about for football. Well, let me tell you, you can still do it, right? Matt is always overanalyzing, well, this player is going to do this and you have to pick him because his statistics are good. And really, I just pick him for looks or if they look happy to play football. And that actually has worked out for me. Last year was Matt's pretty much his first year doing so well in fantasy football, but usually he ends up in last because he overthinks it because you just never know. So talking about that, um, the biggest story that came out of the week um, was Monday night as Aaron Rodgers is out for the year before even completing a pass. Okay, so I'm watching the game here, right? And he literally is on the field playing his play. And I'm telling you, it's like such an act. It reminds me of soccer of how players just make everything dramatic, right? And you see him fall to the ground and you're like, boom, that's it. No more Aaron Rodgers. I have some hard feelings against Aaron Rodgers. I feel like he's kind of a diva and he's been for a really long time. 
Matt is a fan of the Packers, as you guys know, and I felt like he just had such a nasty attitude last year, right? You have all these amazing players who Matt and I were actually cheering on Aaron Jones. I had him in my league last year, and he's been killing the game, right? So as um, A.J. Dillon, he was one of my picks towards the end of the year, and then I passed him off to my father-in-law, who actually really benefited from him. Um, Christian Watson, who's out, right? Um, All these rookies, I guess, or people who really have been shadowed by the Aaron Rodgers are finally shining, correct? So um, also, the Jets were able to get a division win against a top three team in the NFL. Womp, womp. Let me tell you, I was on edge that whole game, right? I was playing Matt's cousin in fantasy. I was relying on Josh Allen and the Bills' defense to really get me the points. We were going back and forth, tied between .2 of a score, sometimes five to six points. I just wanted to game the end to Josh Allen to throw a freaking football, which he could not. I mean, Matt was saying at the beginning, right, these games were sloppy, and that's what the commentators were saying over the games this past weekend. It's like they forgot how to play football. They're getting there, and they're, you know, cheering on by the crowd and being watched by millions like the Vozars here in this household, and they forget how to play football, right? So... Ask Matt, right? He had Kirk Cousins in one of his league, and he is so mad because Kirk Cousins threw two interceptions. Ask me how mad I was when Josh Allen threw three interceptions and a fumble, right? He just kept getting my score down, and then he has this glaze, is what I tell Matt. It was like a deer caught headlights, and I'm like, let me get in the game, and I'll play better than you. So another thing that actually Matt talk to me about with the game from the Jets is I really can't remember his name but Matt will talk to me in just a second and give it to me Xavier Gibson right so Matt tells me about how um, he's trying out for the team for the Jets he barely makes it right and at this point I was so mad I went to bed so I didn't even see what happened into overtime and I just magically wake up five minutes later and I asked Matt so what happened and he's like well this guy just ran it for a touchdown and so Matt kind of explained this story of like how cool is that this player barely made it on the team and then beat my favorite team by running this you know huge play at the last second in overtime and now is going to make history in my opinion okay so what's our take on the future for both of these teams for the Bills and the Jets right really quick my opinion obviously the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl I keep asking every week to Matt are you sure they're going to win are you sure going to win I really need a t-shirt that says NFL Super Bowl what number are we at now 59 60 maybe whatever champions for the bills right but with this game that they played I don't think we're gonna get there right I also think other quarterbacks such as the quarterbacks for the hmm was it either the Giants or the Cowboys I can't remember but one of them was really struggling right it just seemed like most of the quarterbacks except for Patrick Mahomes really couldn't put that many points up this week right I mean Aaron Rodgers had a score of a zero literally right but even Josh um, Joe Burrow right he couldn't even get scores up Um, who are their other good quarterbacks I'm trying to think of I mean I think Trevor Lawrence did pretty well I'm trying to think of all the people that our family have in the league but it just it just seemed like the quarterbacks didn't know how to throw a ball or they just wanted to throw an interception so I think the Jets have some potential right maybe they're just gonna get lucky and pull a Vikings move kind of like what the Vikings did last year right just seems like they got lucky but I guess we'll see without their shining star Miss Nancy negative Nancy negative Nelly Aaron Rodgers 
maybe my boy Zach Wilson, who I say is so cute, right? He got pulled off the bench mid-freaking, no, actually one minute into the game, and they're like, okay, you're going to play because ballerina Aaron Rodgers got hurt, right? So that's just kind of my opinion. I feel like you can already tell that I'm just salty about Aaron Rodgers, but that's pretty much how I feel. Matt, what do you think? I think a lot of what you said is is good, um, a lot better than I thought. So I'll you know I'll give you some give you some credit there. Um, it, it's true that you know the, the Bills did not look good, and and a lot of that, well, pretty much all of that was uh, Josh Allen's fault, which we we've seen him play like this before, and and it's a lot of and it's I always credit the part of my take podcast where they describe it as. He's in a video game and he just mashes all the buttons all at the same time. And it's like he just like needs something to happen. And so he just does what his brain first tells him to do. Like that play, uh, you remember when he's when he's running, it's like third and 12 or whatever. He's running. He's like six yards off the field, not even close to the first down. There's three Jets defenders around him and he just jumps like he's jumping into a pile of leaves or something. But instead of pile of leaves, he gets crushed by three defenders. So that's the type of stuff that like you, you kind of you give and you take with with Josh Allen, who's obviously an amazing talent, probably second, third best quarterback in the league. But He's always going to make these plays where it's just a little bit inconsistent in terms of, you know, right, he probably has the best arm in the league, but it, you know, is he is is that contributing to throwing three interceptions against the against the Jets? I don't know. The other thing I will mention too is that we saw last year in a year when the Jets defense kind of came on as, you know, kind of asserting themselves as as one of the better defenses in the league gave the Bills problems. Actually, both times they played. Uh, I know the Jets won the first time. I think they lost the second time. But either way, both of those games are very close. And that was a year when, similar to this year, you didn't have Aaron Rodgers on your team, right? Uh, and that's obviously going to be the big the big kind of talking points going forward. So I think, like, for me personally, I think that, that the, the Jets' defense is a tough matchup for the Bills specifically because the Jets' defensive front, their you know their defensive line is great, their defensive backfield is great, and the middle you know middle like linebackers that kind of the middle of their defense isn't the best. But like obviously, if you're a defense that you know the, the best two facets of your defense that you'd like to have to be great is your defensive line and your defensive backfield. Uh, and so you know when the Jets' D line is able to get pressure on Josh Allen, he's kind of forced out of the pocket, right? And he's when he's forced out of the pocket. He's looking to throw downfield. He's looking to make a play. He doesn't necessarily. Patrick Mahomes is is really good at like he's gonna he's gonna try to extend the, extend the play as much as he can. But if he doesn't see anything, he'll throw it away. Josh Allen doesn't really throw it away. He runs out of the pocket and he's either either runs to go jump into three Jets defenders like a, like they're a pile of leaves or to launch it downfield and have some sort of miraculous play. You know, hail mary type of style. And you know. Again, you give and you take. Sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. Um, and so I think that you know his decision making needs to be a little bit better because you kind of have to you gotta have to clean up those mistakes, especially given that this team, like Marine said, is a Super Bowl contender and is probably one of the favorites to to win the Super Bowl. I, I don't know that once you get to the Super Bowl against the other best team in the league, you know, be it the Cowboys or the 49ers, who are the two favorites in the NFC right now, even the Eagles. Who are probably the Cowboys, 49ers, and Eagles are probably all top three, you know, top, well, definitely top five defenses in the NFL. Is Allen really going to be able to, I think, you know, showcase his skills as much as he does during the regular season when, if he makes it to the Super Bowl, like that's the kind of the defense that you're, that you're going to be facing? So, I, overall, though, again, to kind of just, I mean, I, I kind of trashed on Josh Allen for a second there, but I do think that the, the, just the way that the Jets play defense and, and, uh, and Salah, you know, their coach is, is a great, you know, head, he's a head coach, but, but was a defensive coordinator his whole career. Um, I think the way that he coaches is is 
doesn't really lend a lot of uh, opportunity or really, you know, really any room for, for Josh Allen to kind of do his normal Josh Allen stuff. And so I think that the Jets are a bad matchup for the Bills. I think that this game was just very fluky. Again, it was week one, right? It, it's it's the Bills. You're at you know you're at the Jets. You're at MetLife. You're in New York. It's 9/11 too, right? They do the whole memorial thing, and the Jets obviously played uh, you know close to 9/11 when it actually happened. So there's a lot going on here, um, and, and I think that you know I think overall like the result of this game, obviously the 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 part that sucks for at least for the Bills side of things is that you're up 13 to three at halftime. And you get outscored 19 to nothing in the second half in overtime. And again, as we stated, Aaron Rodgers only played four four snaps, right? So you basically got beat by Zach Wilson. Now, as we saw the past couple of years, Zach Wilson really can't hold a candle to most quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. And so you're kind of on this road now with the Jets where it's like, is it even like, is it they're going to be carried by their defense, which is great. But do we get to a point where last year, similar to like what the Broncos were, their defense was the best in the league, but Russell Wilson couldn't do anything on offense, and we saw that defense kind of quit, you know, kind of later in the year. So, so that's my one worry for the Jets is like they got this great win; it was pretty miraculous. Um, but, but are they going to be kind of be able to survive here going forward with Zach Wilson leading the helmet quarterback? Um, I don't know if Marine's going to answer that, but she wants to talk, so I'll give her the mic. Yeah, so I'm pretty salty at Matt only because it seems like I kind of you know bashed Aaron Rodgers and then he took every opportunity to bash Josh Allen but it is what it is um also actually pretty interesting fact what Matt was talking about you know 9-11 um that being played that night we actually found out that the head coach um I'm probably gonna mispronounce his name but Robert Saleh Sala. Sala. Um, he actually had a brother who made it out alive of the Twin Towers. And so he was working in finance, is what he had said, and he decided that he just didn't want to risk his life because, you know, with Matt had previously working in banking, it is scary. Anything can really happen, um, any job, but especially with banking in the past, you know, with a lot of robberies. And so that's when he really took the opportunity and decided that he wanted to follow his, you know, lifelong passion of coaching football, and he made all his, you know, his way up. And so so I think in the end, I am pretty sad that the Bills did lose, but I think it is really special that the Jets did get to win, especially for Robert, you know, his big first night. He's super excited for his season because he has this super amazing quarterback, um, Aaron Rodgers, and then Aaron Rodgers literally leaves within a minute of the game. So he probably thought, okay, well, there goes the game. And they came back with this amazing rookie who barely made it on the team, scoring the final touchdown. So um, moving on, right? Two upsets and two blowouts. Okay. Interestingly enough, interest to, oh my gosh, interest. I can't say it. Whatever. Moving on all involving the NFC teams. Okay. So the Seahawks lo- lose to the Rams. Okay. Matt has basically told me that last, pretty much the first time I really just started watching football is when Matt and I got engaged. I'm like, okay, so we're going to do this pretty much for the rest of our lives. I can't take football away from him. So I'm going to try and figure it out my way and kind of start to like it. And so we had seen the Rams win the Super Bowl. And so last year, you know, I'm like, okay, great. The Rams are going to be awesome. So Matt's telling me that all their players get hurt. They're doing terrible. And so I kind of expected watching this game. Okay. Could either go either way, either Seahawks or Rams, but Rams pulled out and actually did pretty well, right? The Vikings lose to the Bucks. okay? 
So I've been telling Matt, okay, is Viking, are they actually good or are they just really lucky? Well, maybe they're only lucky. I know some of my friends are, you know, big Vikings fan and they're all like in your face about it. But I mean, they lost to the Buccaneers, right? So hmm, that's just my opinion. Anyways, Cowboys crushed the Giants. That was the saddest game, right? That was the one game Matt and I were like having dinner, ready to watch the big Sunday night game. And Matt halfway through is like, yeah, okay, we can turn this off, right? Because it was such a big blowout. It was so sad. It's like anytime, the Giants, right, tried to, like, make a play. It's like, to me, it's just like they just couldn't remember how to play football, but worse than everything that we had seen, like the sloppy football during the day on Sunday. Um, and then the 49ers, of course, dominate the Steelers, right? So I feel really bad for Matt's dad. I call him my dad now, but technically my father-in-law, right? Because the 49ers are pretty awesome, right? And so that's what makes me really nervous is Matt says the 49ers probably will make it to the Super Bowl, if not with the Chiefs, right? One or the other, which – Obviously, the Bills would be the second team. So the Bills are going to have to either play Patrick Mahomes, another diva, right? Or the 49ers with, I don't even know who the quarterback is because I thought it was Jimmy Garoppolo. And now, oh, that's right, Brock Purdy. Another interesting thing, Matt tells me that Brock Purdy was super slept on, right? And as soon as Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt last year, he comes up on top and he is killing the game, right? So, um... Do any of these performances change what we thought about the team's preseason, right? I really think that at times football is very much like um, March Madness, right? Anything can really happen. I mean, at the beginning of the Chiefs game, Travis Kelsey's out. Okay, well, there goes our superstar tight end who loves to bust out in dance moves anytime he, you know, has a touchdown, which Matt and I were laughing about the other day. Um, but anything can happen, right? Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. Josh Allen forgot how to play football. The Cowboys and um, the Giants. I feel like really anything can happen. And so obviously some teams are a lot stronger than others based on the players that they've had or the way that their coaches have been. Or just I really think it's the unification of the team. And that's what I've told Matt is I think Aaron Rodgers kind of, you know, always knew that he was good at playing football, but he also couldn't rely on his players last year because Matt explained to me that they were rookies and they weren't used to playing the way that Packers had played for Aaron Rodgers. But I really think that, you know, me as a teacher, I can't expect my kids to be a certain way, right? Students come the way that they are because we're all made different and we're all raised differently and we all have different personalities. And so you have to work with what you got. If you're going to be negative, then obviously you're not going to be a good team. And so I think a lot of these teams have either lost players, they've been drafted, people have gotten hurt, you know, at this point, like, okay, if something happens to Zach Wilson, well, who's the third quarterback, right? So you kind of have to be ready for the unexpected and also be willing to um, work with the change because otherwise your team's not going to make it. Matt, I feel like I'm getting really inspirational here, not really talking football. What do you think? Yeah, I think you should probably become a head coach of an NFL football team. You're giving them, giving them a little pep talk and halftime there uh, or pregame. Uh, but no, it's it's true, and and a lot of these games were interesting, and and definitely kind of changed our expectations, or at least were different from our expectations. You know, kind of coming into the season, uh, Reen mentioned first the Seahawks losing to the Rams in a game where it just it was it was it was strange on a lot of levels. Uh, the Seahawks were winning thirteen to seven at halftime, and their offense looked to be performing pretty well. And and you know, as we thought, because obviously you know the, the Seahawks were I think were five and a half point favorites, and the Rams were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league this year, especially given that their defense essentially has Aaron Donald and a bunch of uh, rookie free agents who'd never played in the in the league before. 
And the second half was much to be desired for the Seahawks as they get outscored by 20. Well, they get outscored 23 to nothing. And the Rams win the game seven or 30 to 30 to 13, which I think, right, nobody really expected. Um, the, the I think the overwhelming story, the narrative coming out of this game is the fact that Matthew Stafford, hey, like, He's always been a great quarterback. I mean, he was drafted in 2009. He's almost in the league, in the league 15 years now. Uh, he was kind of the you know the 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 biggest piece that they that the Rams added in that year when they won the Super Bowl, and you know he he was kind of the star of the team, right? And so I think that you know go, going forward, like. And then last year he was out for most of the year, right? So that's another thing to think of is like this guy basically had a broken back, and it's like you can't really expect him to perform that well. And he's had almost a year and a half now to kind of come back, and well, I guess nine months ish. Um, you know, to 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 rehab and and get back on the pace of where he was before, and and I think that a lot of what we saw was kind of classic Matthew Stafford, and obviously his connection with Sean McVay and the way that they run that offensive scheme is 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 notable. Is is what won a Super Bowl just two years ago, and so yes, you don't have the talent around, you know, similar talent around him. Obviously, he had uh, Odell Beckham and. And then obviously Cooper Cup was out for this game and, and is now on the IR and probably out the next few games. And we're thinking, you know, right, you got Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell as the as the leading receivers for the Rams. Actually, both had over 100 yards in this game. And to a certain extent, you kind of come off of that. And, and again, this is just classic, like, you know, analysts and media personalities and even myself, you know, people who just get slow, you know, you get you do too much research, you get so into football, kind of like what Reen was saying earlier about the fantasy thing where you, you almost you almost can get too deep into something and just like assume that everything that you think is is right, you know, confirmation bias the entire thing. And then just get kind of humbled when it's like, "Oh wait, it was actually a pretty simple answer as to what could have happened here is the sense that like the most important part of the Rams is the offensive scheme, which you know, in or you know in, in the way that they're coached in, in in Sean McVay, as well as the guy who's directing the offense and getting the ball to the receivers as he needs to be, which is Matthew Stafford, and that's you know he's always been always been great at that. And so I think that it's it's kind of it's interesting to see that a team which was probably projected to be definitely bottom ten in the league this year uh, was was completely you know completely turned around their game in the second half uh, not only on offense and, and scored, you know, scored a lot of more points but but also on the defensive end where the Seahawks in the second half of this game had three offensive drives and only one first down the entire second half of the game and so obviously that lends your you know that lends yourself to believe okay uh, the Rams had the ball for pretty much the entire time they ran I think 48 times and, and threw it like 30 times so they even ran more than they were than they threw and a lot of that too was at the end they were kind of just protecting their lead and stuff but I think the bigger story coming out of this game is the Seahawks and just their deficiencies and 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 I'm going to credit I think a lot of this to their injuries that, that they faced. They two offensive linemen went down in this game, and I Charles Cross, who's their their first round draft pick from two years ago, he's definitely going to be out this week. Uh, Abe Lucas is their other offensive tackle, who I think they're like not sure if he's going to play. But again, it's like if you're trending to not play and you trying to you know get in the game, and you don't play up to snuff. Like it's basically like you're not there in the first place. They signed Jason Peters, who's 41 years old, uh, and and. As much as that's you know not too much of I think of a downgrade from from a second year of Charles Cross or, or Abe Lucas, it's like you're 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 facing cluster injuries on the offensive line and on an offensive line which is already struggling against this Rams defensive line, you know, in, in the last game. And obviously you're facing off against Aaron Donald, which is a whole different a whole different ball of wax. But 
it's a, it's a problem when your offensive line has multiple people injured. In the same similar sense, uh, you know, they, they actually played last game against the Rams without Devin Witherspoon, who's their first-round draft pick from this year. They drafted him sixth overall, as well as Jamal Adams, who they traded for a couple of years ago and gave the Jets like three, for, well, I think it was two first-round picks and, and another couple picks or players or whatever. So these are two of your best defensive backs on your team. Obviously, you know, expecting Devin Witherspoon to not be a complete bust, which he's going to get the starting role, so I think he'll be all right. So you're, you're down two well, – you're down both of your offensive tackles and you're down two of your best three players in the defensive backfield. And, and I just don't think that's a recipe for success, even against a Rams team, which, yes, it's it's pretty, you know, bereft of talent. But you have to think at the same time, like, the guys, these guys are professional athletes. Like, as long as the team sticks together, you know, or at least has been practicing all together in the preseason and playing and stuff like that, you know, they're going to be probably, you know, pretty okay. And so that was, I think, kind of the biggest takeaway from me was – the Seahawks, it's just so tough to tell whether or not like they are because they were supposed to be, you know, a nine, ten win team coming into this season. They don't look like that right now. Is that only due to injuries, or, you know, are we kind of are we kind of looking at a team that 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 just it, it's not built the correct way? Because I think too, the, the other thing we have to mention is the fact that the defensive line it was getting no rush. I mean, they, they can't they couldn't even I mean, they couldn't get anything on Matthew Stafford against a Rams offensive line, which isn't that good. They had a chance to draft Jalen Carter, who looked like a stud for the Eagles. And I get that he had the personality issues and the, and the, and the, you know, the drag racing and all that. He, he was involved in some off the field stuff where it's you know, there's some character concerns there. But like, I mean, that stuff blows over like and, and you take Devin Witherspoon instead, who's great. You know, he, he's he's an amazing prospect, the best, you know, kind of defensive back, best cornerback coming out of the league or coming out of college last year. But you had Tariq Woolen from last year, who sh- essentially should have won, you know, defensive rookie of the year. Uh, you know, were it not for um, I am now blanking on the guy who won it, but uh, but a, a great defensive back in Tariq Woolen who you got late. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, you, you got to bolster that defensive line while you have the chance with a guy like Jalen Carter, who's who was. I'm going to say it, the most talented guy in the draft, probably maybe besides Bryce Young, but again, for a defensive side, or for the defensive side of the ball, definitely most talented player coming out of the draft last year. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what we get from the Seahawks going forward. They're facing off against the Lions this week in Detroit. Again, a Lions team who kind of, well, actually, we can talk about that game now because I think, you know, Marine watched a good, a good bit of that one too. So uh, the Lions and Chiefs, which you already mentioned a little bit, but but we, had, we saw the Lions win 21 to 20. So it was a close game. The Lions scored two offensive touchdowns and one defensive touchdown. Remember, they had that pick six, the um, interception where it, yes. it hit off the guy's hand, and uh, the Lions ran it back for a touchdown. And the Chiefs kind of, you know, they were playing okay, you know, here and there, but they had a bunch of drops by the wide receivers. Travis Kelsey didn't play, as Marine already mentioned. So as we look forward, I think what's the kind of our takeaway or what's your takeaways, Marine, from this Lions and Chiefs game where the Lions were big underdogs and they were able to win the game in Kansas City? Okay, I was not prepared for this, right? There's the script that the boys have ready to go, and I kind of had already mentally prepared some notes at dinner, right? Matt and I are eating our chicken um, with crusty cheese, right, and carrots and potatoes. I'm like, all right, yes, I got these points about the bills, and I'm ready for the Jets, okay, and I can talk about fantasy. And then, like, I was telling Matt, I'm like, and then I'm out, right? I, like, love you, but the football is probably going to stop at the NFL. Really can't do college football. I mean, watching two full days of football on the weekend, it's kind of a waste of my time, right? Sunday's like, woohoo, because, like, I have everybody on my fantasy team. Matt's excited. I can tell it's, like, Christmas morning for him, right? I, like, look over, and he's smiling, and we're watching eight screens at a time people eight screens right because Matt wants all games at once I sometimes feel like we're on it's like on steroids right because every five seconds it's like going to a different game right so about the Lions and the Chiefs right I think it's fine I can just kind of bring it up so 
right away, right, I kind of in my head already know, okay, well, what teams are going to win and what teams are not going to win. So I automatically thought, okay, well, this is in the bag for the Chiefs, right? Right before the game starts, Matt is like, dude, oh my gosh, Travis Kelsey's hurt. And they just said it. So I barely had time to pick somebody else up to put on my actual team and like Travis Kelsey is a pretty big star in the team in my opinion right I mean last year it felt like every game they're like Travis Kelsey right like he'd done something right either a touchdown or any of those other fun football terms right so I think that I was not expecting the Lions to win but with the way that the game played out with them only beating the Chiefs by one point like I said before in the games or in the before Matt went on his tangent is Anybody can win. Anything can happen. As soon as you have a player that's out and that's the team is kind of relying, they need to get out of that mentality of, oh my gosh, well, what are we going to do? So-and-so is not playing anymore. You have to find your next person and make that magic work with that person instead of worrying about what could have happened, right? Because otherwise you're not going to win games. And I think that's what happened for the Chiefs, right? Maybe Patrick Mahomes was too confident. They were relying on Travis Kelsey. And so they really thought, eh, yeah, we got this in the bag with the Lions because everybody, I think, thought, well, they're going to beat the the Lions and they didn't I mean they came close to it but who ended up winning the Lions so personally I think we talked enough about the NFL right we got to kind of keep the people wanting more so we're going to move on to college football so I actually know Jack bleep about college football right I just see it on Saturdays I'm like okay doing laundry I'm lesson planning running errands taking naps with my girl blaze that's our cat so I'm just not really paying attention to college football okay so I'm just thinking Matt that I should read the openers of what we're going to talk about and you can further develop because I'm sure that the people who listen um, would love to hear my voice instead of you rambling for an hour even though I think it's just as magical and awesome because you are so talented and are so knowledgeable But I think it would be fun for them to hear a female voice on here to kind of just mix things up, right? So Texas beats Alabama 34-24 in Nick Saban's Saban. I'm so bad at last names, right? First ever double-digit loss at home. Okay, so my first thought about this game, right? So Matt and I went to a squirrels game. We're having... (laughs) Oh, the squirrels. I explained. Okay, so it's like this little league, right, of baseball that's local to Richmond. So depending on where you're listening from, if you're in Fredericksburg, it's like the Fred Nats. Okay, so we're watching this team. I've been telling Matt I really want a dill dog, which is a pickle that's open face, you know, face up and has um, a hot dog kind of down the line. And I'm like really excited for this. And Matt sits in his chair and he just whips out his phone and he turns it sideways. And I'm like, okay, he's either going to play phone games or he's about to play Hulu because there is some live game that he needs to watch. Right. And so Matt's like, yep. Texas and Alabama are playing I'm like oh yeah right so Alabama's gonna win he's like no actually people are thinking that Texas may win because who was playing for Alabama last year Bryce Young right Bryce Young now is playing for the Panthers right and so my opinion is I'm trying to you know be really supportive of these young people I mean he's 22 years old He's only two years younger than me. And so he's playing among these like macho football players who've been, you know, playing football in the NFL for a while now. And so I'm trying to be supportive, like, yes, Bryce, you got this. And so Matt's like, no, he's doing terrible compared to the other, you know, quarterbacks. But obviously you got to give people a chance, right? So I'm thinking in my head, okay, well, again, the magic of the team, maybe they relied too much on Bryce Young that they didn't know who their next person was going to be, right? They were too worried about Bryce Young, Bryce Young. And then Bryce Young got drafted and they were like, oh shit. Oh, sorry. I can't curse on here. I forgot. So sorry. Oh, bleep. Um, what are we going to 
going to do? We don't have Bryce Young anymore. And so media, I tell Matt, oh, yeah, Alabama's got it in the bag. And he's like, well, no. And that's when he explained it all to me about Bryce Young and how the team is and the coach. And so all the conversation preseason was that Texas always has the talent and never lives up to it, right? While Alabama is always hunted and continues to deliver. What does this result say about a potential shift of power in college football? Matt, what do you think? It's 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 interesting. There's a lot to cover here. Uh, Texas, obviously, you know, kind of the the darlings of, you know, what's been a lot of years in the preseason hype. And, you know, we got the quarterback that we need now and you know, the defensive pieces are coming together. And then they end up losing to, you know, Texas Tech on a, on a Wednesday night in November uh, or Thursday night or whenever they play. Um, and so that's been the narrative. And, and, and it's true because they always kind of have the hype. And I mean, in general, though, in, in case you're kind of new to the whole college football landscape, they... Texas has one of the biggest brands in the entire country. Um, they have one of the biggest endowments in the entire country, I think almost as much as Harvard and Yale. And so this is a school with a ton of money. Now, obviously, if you think about it, Alabama's probably, you know, pretty similar in terms of the amount of money they get just from just from winning, you know, all the sports that they do. So um, they're there's always going to be a level at which you say the consistency that Nick Saban has shown at Alabama is is very great. Well, at least pretty un, you know pretty dominant at least for the for the last ever since he's been there i think 2008 2007 2008 something like that um and 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 it's been a dynasty for that long and so i think that you know it, it's almost been every, everyone's favorite thing to say well oh georgia's won the last two national championships and you know obviously that means that alabama hasn't you know uh, even though they played georgia for the national championship and you know just just that uh, that first one there a couple of years ago and so the past, and then last year, you know, you saw Bama go ten and two. They lose to Tennessee on that insane end of the game. Uh, I watched that one with Marine too. The the one where Tennessee won. Remember, at the end of the game, it was like forty nine oh, to forty six. Yeah. They ripped down the goalpost after. Yeah, uh, and then they lose to to LSU. You know, in overtime, it was a two point convert. Well, I think it was. Yeah, I don't remember if it was overtime, but it was a two point conversion. You know, made things a little weird, and they lose to LSU. Okay, great. So we come into the season. And obviously, as Maureen said, all the question is around Bryce Young. You know, what do they do uh, without him? And, and and me and Hayden in our in our SEC preview episode, we went over like there, there's not really many options. Well, there are options in terms of you know there are multiple people who could assume the starting role as quarterback of Alabama, but none who are quite even close to the talent level of the last four quarterbacks that Alabama's had. Because you got to remember, this goes all the way back to Jalen Hurts, right? It was Jalen Hurts, it was Mac, well, it was Jalen Hurts, it was Tua, it was Mac Jones, and it, and it was Bryce Young. And so that that's, I mean, that's been the Alabama quarterback since I think 2018, 2019. So when you're used to having quarterbacks at that high of a level, performing at that high of a level, who are all now starters in the NFL, and you kind of have Jalen Milrow now, who's like, Again, I don't want to say he's a running back, but he's definitely a way better runner than he is a passer, at least for right now, in terms of his skill set and everything. And like he's the best they got, right? They, you know, they they get um they get uh, I'm forgetting the Notre Dame guy, the transfer that they got in from Notre Dame, who Tyler Buckner, who wasn't able to get to, to wasn't really I think good at all honestly they saw when he when he got in there wasn't able to take over the starting role um and then a f- I think a uh, redshirt freshman I forget his name as well I'm, I'm just I'm all over the place tonight um and I think that says a lot about the fact that the quarterback situation is just not good is because I don't even remember the names of these guys and they're not really being talked about a lot and Jalen Monroe is because he's the one who's starting and and he's just not he's just not throwing great 
at all. And and obviously, right, there's only been two games. Okay, great. You know, Alabama's first game was against Middle, Ten- Middle Tennessee State, and Jalen Milrow looked great, and then they played Texas, and he looks horrible because Texas actually has a good defensive line and a, and a good, you know, a good defensive backfield. So... A lot of this comes down to the fact that Alabama didn't have a quarterback. I don't want to belabor that point, though, because that's what everybody's going to be talking about, right? I think what we need to focus on is Texas and the fact that they're looking like they're back. And that's always, again, that's the meme going into every season is like they have the talent to compete with anybody in the in the country. Then they get in the Big 12 schedule and it's like, oh, well, why are they losing by 20 to Baylor? And it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of just what happens to Texas, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, at least at least the last like five years in the in the Big 12 and and a lot of this has resolved revolved around Texas's head coach, whose name is Steve Sharkeesian. Now he has ties to Alabama. He was actually offensive Alabama's offensive coordinator, I think, when Tua Tagovailoa was there. And then Tom Herman was fired at Texas, and Stark, Steve Sharkeesian takes over as the head coach of Texas uh, three years ago. And it got to the point because Texas, like I said, has been so underwhelming these past few years. Got to the point where if this year Texas was not able to deliver, or at least even had like a seven and five season, Steve Sarkeesian was on the hot seat, right? Like possibly could be fired if Texas didn't perform this season. Well, <laughs> I mean, this is about the best win that you could possibly get if you're Texas to prove that the talent is finally coming around and that they're here to stay. And and I think a big piece of that is Quinn Ewers, right? He's the quarterback for Texas. And this is a guy who I think has been a little bit forgotten in terms of he was, I think the the I think he actually is the highest ever rated recruit of, by 24-7 in terms of like just all around coming out of high school, like, you know, they rate all these guys and whatever. He had the highest score ever recorded, uh, and which clearly means that he's, well, you could argue that he's probably the best high school prospect in the history of college football, which is pretty insane to say. And it looks like he's backing it up now, right? Now, obviously, he's he's not the best quarterback in the country, and that's, you know, that's Caleb Williams. There's arguments for, for Michael Penix and, um, you know, and J.J. McCarthy and stuff. So he's he's, I don't think, yet solidified himself as, you know, uh, you know, like a like the top quarterback in the in 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 college football, but definitely is you know is is performing at a top ten level. He's in the Heisman talks now. I bet him to win the Heisman. So I, I think that there's there's a lot of potential for this Texas team led by a guy who his mechanics have always been good. Obviously, his arm is like if if you actually want to. I'm usually I listen to people say like, oh, this guy can spin it. No, look at the way he throws it. There hasn't, I will admit, there hasn't been, I haven't really noticed that in a guy until I watched Quinn Ewers throw on Saturday night. It Like, the ball, the way he, like, it's, he, he's like, he's like a, like, it's actually like a machine. It's like, his hips work in tandem with his shoulders and just the, the way the ball spins out of his hands. It's actually pretty amazing to watch. So, if you do get a chance, I mean, I know we're in the weeds a little bit, I'm telling you to go watch Watch a, watch the way this guy's body moves when he throws a football. That's that's a little weird, but I mean it's it's true, and and I think you'll notice kind of the difference between him and a lot of other players, especially in college football. He has all it takes to be in the NFL. He's going to be an NFL quarterback. Uh, I think the, the the you know the biggest question is right is is can can Texas now you know kind of follow through on this amazing win that they had it's just in a in a season which like I said they had to get these types of wins. You're expected to lose at Alabama. They were seven-point underdogs. I get that, right? So if they were to lose, okay, fine. They go on. They run the table in the Big 12. They win the Big 12. That's really all you can ask from this Texas team. But now the expectations are, well, Alabama's the toughest team on their schedule. And now that they've won the Alabama game, can they run the table in the Big 12? And if that's the case, 
I mean, if Texas is undefeated at the end of the season, they have a pretty good shot to make the college football playoff at the end of the year. And and I think that's probably where the question lies now is like, you know, is this going to actually happen? I don't know. Obviously, we don't. There's still 10 games left in the regular season. There's still an entire Big 12 championship that they have to play. But I will say that the rest of the Big 12 is a little bit down, especially in comparison to last year, because you had TCU and Kansas State, who actually played in the Big 12 championship last year. It was kind of an under uh, underwhelming game, to say, the, to say the least, just simply because these are teams that, you know, aren't typically that great, especially when it comes to the Big 12. You had TCU, who made the college football playoff, beat Michigan in the first game and played Georgia in the national championship only to get their hopes and dreams crushed 65-7 to in the national championship game. Kansas State coming off, obviously, Will Howard, Deuce Vaughn. You know, Will Howard's actually still there. He's, he, you know, he's playing really great this season. Um, but but they lose a lot of defense. TCU lost a ton of, I think, 11 starters to the NFL draft. K- Kansas State lost Deuce Vaughn, lost a couple defensive performers. We see teams like Texas Tech. They lost to Wyoming in the first week. They lose to Oregon already. So Texas Tech's already 0-2. Baylor has probably been the most underwhelming team in the college football yet this year. They lose to Utah over the weekend. They were supposed to lose to Utah, but they were winning with like two minutes left. And they lose that game. They lost the first game to Texas State by like by like two touchdowns or whatever. Um, and like those were the other two best teams in the Big 12, aside from Oklahoma, which I'll get to in a little bit, who are supposed to be comp- contending with Texas, with Texas, Texas, uh, to, to win the Big 12 this year. Oklahoma, again, we were expecting a lot more from them this year. Their schedule is still pretty easy, but... And they, okay, yeah, you know, you beat Arkansas State like 77 to 3 or whatever they did in the first game. And yeah, it looks great. But then they come back against SMU last week and it's like a three point game in the fourth quarter. And they end up covering the spread and they win by like 18 points. So they make it look like it was a, a dominating win, but it, it, it was not by, by, by far. And SMU is actually a good team. So I don't, you know, I'm not going to fault them too much for that. But, and secretly, I think Oklahoma's starting the wrong quarterback. I think they're they're playing Dylan Gabriel, but I think Jackson Arnold is is uh, is the answer there in Oklahoma. So, in terms of where I see Texas going for the rest of the year, like they have a pretty good chance to run the table, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being undefeated at the end of the season. And honestly, we could have said the same about Alabama, right? Like, obviously, they play in the SEC; it's a lot bigger competition, but the SEC hasn't looked that great either. And and especially the SEC West, where teams like Auburn and Ole Miss have really struggled in the past couple of weeks. Um, and, and Mississippi State's, you know, pretty bad. LSU obviously had the big loss to Florida State. That's probably what we'll what we'll talk about next. Um, but I know that Marine wants to get back on the mic because because uh, she needs to say some stuff. Yes. Yeah, so you guys should really see what it looks like in here, right? So we're in our guest bedroom. This air conditioning in here just like barely ever works. I don't really know if they just don't have the flow, right? So Matt is just hyperventilating (laughs) breathing when he's talking so much really raising his arms up in the air and getting all hot and stuff because he's just so motivated but I just had to put in a quick blooper because I was scrolling through my phone of course tuned out everything about college football only because it doesn't really interest me so I feel like if I'm invited back on the show I will only be invited back for the NFL um, March Madness or maybe just if they want to do a random you know I don't know keep you know the Kardashians or maybe how to organize your life or one-on-one teaching skills I don't know so I was actually scrolling um through my Instagram and I just followed NFL memes right because the memes have been memes have been crazy about Aaron Rodgers and so I don't know if any of you guys watch the office right my boy Kevin there's this one scene where he's carrying this huge um, <laughs> this huge pot of chili, right? And so the comparison they made on this meme was Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball <laughs> compared to his wide receivers, right? And so you see Kevin, who's like walking in all the force in the world, ready to carry this pot of chili and then just miserably falls on the floor. So I thought it was just kind of a funny 
Uh, meme, if you don't follow it, obviously, you should definitely because the memes are crazy about Aaron Rodgers. But moving on to the second part of college football here, um, week one contained possibly the only top five matchup we'll see all season. Although it didn't live up to the billing as FSU beat LSU, that's really hard to say, 45 to 24. We both thought, well, actually all three of us, because I always think what Mitty thinks, so really it's all three of us, thought LSU would be a title contender in the season, and we also all three picked Clemson over FSU in the ACC. Sony abbreviations. Could FSU, Florida State University, right, Matt, um, be the one that emerges to make the CFP championship fo- championship football playoff? Ah, college football playoff this year. I'm so sorry. There's so many acronyms. I'm just getting lost in the sauce here. It was interesting. It was a great game, and I think that that's why I kind of wanted to talk about it today because – it gets, I think, a little bit overshown by the fact that, well, we didn't do a podcast. Well, okay, we did a podcast last week, but we were kind of running behind on our schedule in terms of, like, when we were getting out the previews. Well, I, we, we, we actually hit all the previews in time for the NFL to start, so I'm not going to, you know, say anything about our scheduling not working out because it actually did pretty perfectly. Uh, but but because we released an, or, you know, our last NFL preview last, last week, we didn't get to talk about week one of college football. Now, there weren't a ton of great games. Um but this Florida State LSU game was supposed to be the best one of them all, and I say, and and what Marine read in the in the uh, in the topic intro there, is true. This is probably the only top five matchup we're going to see all season until we get to Michigan State Ohio State because they're inevitably both going to be in the top ten, uh, top top five, unless Ohio State loses, which they they don't look too good. And we can probably even talk about that uh, next week because uh, I don't know if we'll have time for for this week, but definitely need to figure out their quarterback situation at Ohio State. So, yeah, I mean, me and Hayden were high on LSU the entire summer, um, and just on all of our previews, we picked LSU to beat Bama, we picked LSU to win the SEC West, we picked LSU to play Georgia in the net, or in the uh, SEC championship game. I think we even both had LSU making the college football playoff, and after two games, that doesn't look like it's going to happen, and mostly because they lose that game to Florida State. But we also said that with that's the caveat, right, is the fact that, like, this game Whoever wins this game has such a leg up on the other, or really on you know on on everyone around everyone else in the top ten, simply because you have a win over such a great team, and so whoever loses that game as a result is is going to be thought of as a lot less, or at least you know at the, by the end of the season, oh they have this one blemish and the you know the loss in their schedule. But again, realistically, these teams are still top ten in college football, and so to a certain extent, like LSU's gonna go out throughout the season having lost this game. But again, by the end of the season, Florida State's probably going to be undefeated, similar to what we were talking about t- about uh, with with Texas. So, I, I think that you know it, it was indicative of a Florida State team that has taken a lot of transfers and they've done well in converting those transfers into actual, you know, talent playing together, unity on the field, which is the toughest part about this whole transfer thing. And that's why obviously Colorado is a big a big story too. I'm gonna we're gonna wait um, for for the whole Colorado discussion when when Hayden's back on next because I know that he was high on Colorado and I was not, so he can uh, he can tout his stuff there when, when he gets the chance. Um, but it's true the fact that if you're bringing in so many transfers, are you able to really instill the culture and just you know the way that that your your program is run and everything, magic. the magic as as Marine would call it into your football team to, for them to be able to perform at the level they're expected to be. And I think that was kind of the question coming up with Florida State is that LSU did this last year and they 
really kind of they, they they followed through on it, right? They won the games they were supposed to win. They won games that they weren't supposed to win. They upset Bama, right? They uh, well, obviously they lost to Texas A&M. That kind that kind of sucked, but. It was a year that was supposed to be a year of transition for LSU, obviously, in Brian Kelly's, Brian Kelly's first year. They'd taken a ton of transfers, including their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, uh, and, and and again, performed way above expectation. And so we come into this year being like, well, now Florida State's the one who has all the transfers. Okay, you know, LSU was able to make it work, but LSU is always going to have, you know, just the best talent to pick from being down there in the SEC in Louisiana. And they already converted on so many of these transfers to where – you know they're bringing a lot. They're bringing back pretty much everyone from last year's team that was really good and won the SEC West. They were in the SEC championship against Georgia, against a team in Florida State who is is in their year of transition this year, taking all the transfers and and you know and all that. So obviously Jordan Travis at quarterback, he's been there for like four years now. So if anyone or I guess of any position to have had a guy who's been there done that run the offense and used to it all it's probably you know it's, it's best to have your quarterback be the one to do so and that obviously Jordan Travis has followed through uh on that so it's 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 tough obviously to kind of see LSU get get kind of blown out like this but I think it's a tale of two halves in this game too right LSU was actually winning this game 17 to 14 at halftime and they get outscored uh 31 to 7 in the second half and it, it became LSU or it became Florida State almost just you know just kind of running down the field on LSU and 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 part of this I think is is well the obviously the biggest glaring weakness there is LSU's defense specifically their defensive backfield both their cornerbacks are kind of bad um I can't remember if they're transfers or not I think one of them is and 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 they haven't really they're not they're not the most talented right um and I think that that's that definitely shown through against a Florida State offense who was clicking on all cylinders like like nobody else like 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 nobody's business I mean seriously so I think that this was more a, a statement by Florida State in terms of their offense being able to dominate a subpar LSU defense. And going forward, like obviously Florida State's offense is going to be pretty much unstoppable for the rest of the year. They played Southern Miss this past Saturday and scored 66 points. So it's just going to continue to be this this type of game for Florida State going forward. And for LSU, I don't think this – it looks like a bad loss, but again, like – they played, they were winning after the first half. This looked like a game that was going to be back and forth and really, you know, kind of showed up as, you know, this was the, the best kind of, the, you know, the primetime billing that it was supposed to be on a Sunday night kind of in, in you know, standalone time slot. And and in the second half, they just kind of, they just kind of lost steam. They got, they got blown out. So a lot, there's also, I listened to another podcast and, and you know, there's a very knowledgeable college football analyst and, and he says that LSU, it's looking like they have problems in the locker room, like kind of not everyone's on the same page about, you know, their starting time or, you know, whatever the coaches are saying. And so that's usually a big telltale sign of like, this might not be going well for LSU and that's kind of cause for concern uh, for the future. But in my mind, like this team is just so, it's still so talented from a team that was 10 and three last year. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see them being ten and three again this year. Can I see them lose to Alabama? Of course, right. But we just talked about Alabama and how they don't look like they did, especially last year. And and Alabama was or LSU was able to beat Alabama and Bryce Young last year when they weren't supposed to at all. So I think LSU is going to be fine as a result of this. I I still think that I mean. Again, seeing that LSU or seeing that Alabama had a non-conference loss as well, um, that game obviously Alabama LSU is going to be an insane game when it when it does happen. Uh, well, definitely going to be a top ten matchup, might be a top five matchup, but um, I, I think that LSU has what it takes to still do really well, run the table in the SEC West, and 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 win that division. Um, because again, I I just see Alabama as a team that 
you know, without a quarterback, like you can't really do much. And at least Jaden Daniels has been improving every year, or, you know, at least every game on a, you know, on a per game basis as he's been at LSU and he has continuity in the offense and, and he's there uh, for another year now. And he also runs the bell really well. So does Jalen Milrow, but Jalen Milrow has no passing ability. So I think that LSU is probably still going to get a leg up there on Alabama. In terms of Florida State, man, the only the only tough game that they were going to have was going to be Clemson. And after Clemson's performance against Duke, where they lost 28-7, to I don't even know if Clemson's going to be a threat to, to Florida State at this point. It's going to be a great game, obviously, you know, the biggest game left in the ACC. And essentially going to determine who wins the ACC regular season, uh, because I would assume, and, and again, at this point... I think Clemson's still good enough to where they will be competing in the ACC championship. It's probably going to be another rematch against Florida State. Well, Florida State's definitely going to the ACC championship. It'll be interesting to see if Clemson can make it. Obviously, we expected them to, but teams like Miami, you know, teams like Louisville, even Duke, who beat Clemson, are all looking really good this year so far. And I think that that's probably indicative of a team in Clemson who needs to step up a little bit. They kind of need to find their offensive identity and 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 not have you know not be losing to. To, to you know to UNC or Louisville as we go throughout the season so it'll be interesting to see for Clemson but it really does look like FSU Florida State man similar to Texas which these and that's why I brought these two teams up is the fact that both of them are kind of the the huge brands in college football that have not been good for at least 10 years but always you know they're so many fans and, and so much hope and expectation to where they're always supposed to do so great and they never you know they never live up to it but this year Looks like the year for Texas and Florida State. I would honestly love it if both these teams made the college football playoff, uh, or as Maureen called it, the, the championship football uh, party or something. <laughs> so um, I, I would like it if I, I – it would be so cool if both these teams made it. I think they can compete. We saw them both beat SEC teams, and that's been the, the one thing the past few years is like, okay, well, yeah, it's great that Cincinnati makes the college football playoff. It's great that TCU makes the college football playoff, but both of these teams get absolutely run out of the field, run off the field by SEC teams. But Florida State and Texas have both each beaten the two top teams in the SEC West. So that'll be really interesting to see going forward is like, can, can the SEC even get two teams in the playoff if Florida State and Texas run the table and they're both undefeated? Um, obviously more to come on that because we still have an entire season ahead of us uh so yeah so that'll be your college football talk for the week obviously we'll talk about ohio state a little bit of trouble there colorado who looks amazing kind of get into that next week when hayden's back on to be able to analyze uh what's going on there we will now move on to the last section in the podcast which is the rundown section i'll let marine take it away for these two topics here all right so the nflpa National Football League Player Association. Yes. Matt, aren't you impressed? Well, don't be so much because I actually looked it up on Google as soon as you started I talking, see. right? I knew it was something had to do with football, but I'm like PA, like party association, like Matt says. Obviously, I know it's not a party, but um, the NFLPA publicly announced a petition for NFL stadiums to remove field turf and replace it with grass following Rogers injury. Do we agree? Okay. So me not really knowing like what the field is made out of. Right. So we were actually back a couple weeks ago at Matt's old high school on the mater Henrico high school um, to watch a game. Right. And so Matt hadn't been back in a couple years because COVID had delayed Hayden was playing and we for sure did not want to watch him play. Right. So we had, you know, Matt had kind of stayed away from the stadium for a while. And so the first comment he he makes to his dad is, oh my gosh, they put turf down, right? And so I asked Matt, well, what's the difference between turf and grass? And so 
I had also noticed on some of the NFL players, right, because I obviously am watching the sport aspect, but I also love to analyze, do they look happy? What are they wearing? Like, is he cute? Obviously, I have the hottest person sitting next to me because Matt Vozar is the best and most cutest person in the world to me, but I kind of like to keep myself busy when I'm watching the football game. So then I noticed and told Matt, like, what's all that white stuff that they have on their arms, right? Or like, oh my gosh, it looks like they have dirt around their necks. And Matt is explaining to me, no, that's like the paint that they have down you know when they're marking down the field and because of the sweat and how they're like falling onto the floor it kind of gets stuck to their arms and so I'm wondering okay so I understand that football is being played differently right your little um what is the football team called here that the little boys play on the um red not red hawks what is it called kanawa or whatever football eras right obviously little five-year-olds is going to have different aspects and um i would say adaptations to nfl football but matt enlighten me and do it quickly because our netflix show is quite awaiting right tell me why it should not be the same across all football where everybody should be either playing on turf or be playing on a real grass field. Also related, obviously, to Aaron Rodgers' injury, but like enlighten the world and this podcast in a teeny glimpse because we got to move on to the next topic. What does it mean? So field turf is is synthetic, right? So it's man-made. So it's these little strings that act like grass and they're put on the field to, you know, act like grass uh and this helps obviously you know you don't have to upkeep the grass you don't have to make sure it's right obviously especially well especially for the outside fields when it's raining it doesn't turn into a mud bowl and an unwatchable game which is what it used to be when it rained and they didn't have field turf the problem though is that the way that the field turf is like it's basically like these little strings that look like grass and they're sewn into this rubber pad uh, and then you have these little um i forget what they're called. they're actually there's a name for them they're like there's just little rubber pellets that they put on the turf to be able to solidify it into the ground and what happens is it you know as you're playing football as as the football players do um they it's easy for your cleats to get caught in those little kind of indentations that the field turf makes when they, you know, when they're kind of sewing in the grass and stuff. And if you're eight, and this is a perfect example of what happened to Aaron Rodgers last night, he's kind of standing on the turf. He's getting sacked, right? So the Bills player is kind of tackling him as he's going down to the ground. And his cleat is in the, you know, is, is in the, well, it's on the ground, but it's like in one of those little patches, I guess, of wherever the indentation is for where the field turf goes in. And essentially, his foot gets stuck in there because it's field turf and it's not actual grass. If it was actual grass, he'd be, you know, it would be like there'd be like dirt and kind of, you know, soil underneath the grass. His ankle would have turned normally as it was supposed to. If it was grass, it would have kind of ripped up the grass where his cleat was and whatever. But he would have been fine. The problem is, or the the where this all went wrong, <coughs> is that the field turf essentially just made his cleat like his cleat basically made a hole in, in the turf and it was it, it was it, like his his foot wasn't able to move his ankle wasn't able to turn so when he gets so when he gets sacked and his body's turning and his foot can't turn that's how you end up tearing your achilles reen okay so i understand that aspect of things right but the nfl is all about 
making money and right, you know, paying these players a bunch of money, all the advertising. Okay, so I understand saving time and money, especially like you explained with outdoor fields, right? Upkeeping. I remember um, specifically in high school, right? I went to Tucker High School, which is in Richmond, Virginia. And um, I'm not going to say his name because I don't know if he's still there, but he was an awesome science teacher and he was one of the football coaches. And I remember him in our earth science class saying that he had to leave early from his classes and couldn't teach the last block because he would have to go take care of the football field for practice, right? So I understand it's a commitment, it's a grind, but if you go back to regular grass, in my opinion, based off of everything that you're saying, well, you can still slip and fall because like you said, it would be a mud bath and people um, with snow, right? So there would still be the injuries aspect. So in my opinion, not knowing anything about football, why not just change the shoes, right? If you are going to have a turf field and the cleats are clearly causing an issue just saying it was really only causing an issue to Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden and then now they're thinking about changing the differences between the turf and the grass is why not change the shoes right keep the turf upkeep so then there's less upkeep less money but change the shoes they don't need the cleats the whole points in the cleats in my opinion which is what soccer players wear is to grip the floor so that you're not or the floor I mean the ground or the grass so you're not slipping and sliding so just change the shoes wear some cute flats right walk up and down the field strut your stuff and play football you know what I'm saying so I guess that was a good interpretation, Matt. I guess we will see what the NFLPA decides, but I will be advocating and letting them know my opinion that I think they just need to change the shoes, right? Wear some cute Burks. I know, Hayden, you love to strut those. So I think the NFL players would be a great um, marketing, right? You could have Birkenstocks that are branded with your NFL team on it. How cool, right? So the last topic, right, is Michigan State suspended and will fire their head football coach, Mel Tucker, one year after signing him to a 10-year, $90 million contract. Why is this actually a good thing for MSU? Okay, so obviously Michigan State University, I saw them play U of R this weekend, U of R is University of Richmond. I'm telling Matt, okay, why is a big team like MSU playing U of R? And so he's explaining to me, well, it's just an easy win for them, right? But I'm like, okay, Michigan State is like, 10 times bigger than little U of R, not crapping on U of R. U of R is a beautiful school, but it's not in the same either division or even size, right? It'd be like playing, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of a big team. Alabama to like, you know, um, I'm trying to think because most of our colleges in Virginia don't even have football teams, right? So it'd be like playing Radford's football team. Do they even have a football team? No. See, I'm trying to list schools. JMU to play um, Alabama, right? It would just make no sense. Okay. So also $90 million in my opinion is way too much to be paying (laughs) a coach. I understand you're doing a lot of work, right? But I think people like teachers, me and nurses and people who save lives. I've had this conversation with my mother-in-law all the time, right? About how they pay coaches ridiculous amounts of money. But the question is, why have they suspended them? him why are they going to fire him and I've asked Matt that well how is it fair that you're going to just fire a coach right like is it because they did something bad Matt's like well no it's just because they just weren't coaching right right and I'm like okay well what does that mean right I'm not going to get fired from my job as a teacher hopefully because I'm not teaching right you have to find new skills 
kind of, you know, like I said, it's all about the magic. Figure out how your plays work, your players work best, right? Matt was mentioning LSU, how they're having some issues in the locker room based off some podcasts that he listened to. Well, that's maybe where you pull your team together and have a kumbaya, right? The whole reason why you're there is to play a sport, not be dramatic girls and have some drama going on. So, Matt, can you please tell me in a short glimpse why he is suspended and why they are potentially firing him? It's, uh, it's actually for good cause, I'm going to say. There's no drama involved here. So Mel Tucker uh, is not a very good guy, and I'll just put it bluntly like that. Uh, he is suspended and going to get fired because there's a pending investigation on a sexual assault allegation uh, against a woman who, and I'm going to get a little technical here, but it is what it is. It's informational. It's, it's actually a very interesting story that's happening in, in college football right now. Um, a woman who I think worked on some sort of some sort in sports, you know, to some degree, um, was suffered rape like multiple times, and now goes and has for the last like twenty years is like one of the most famous people who like goes around to different schools, teams, organizations, and talks about the importance of you know making sure that yeah right consent all that stuff. Uh, and so apparently, again, I'm not going to go into the details of this. Look it up if you're very interested in it. It's it's extremely it's it's weird. It's bad. He was on the phone with her and and like was essentially doing this stuff t- to her uh, while he was on the phone. And it's like, th- what do you do? Like, a, you know that you're going to get fired from this in the first place. B, why are you like? Why is it with the the woman who's like the like the poster child for like why like telling you why this is not a good thing to be doing? It's just, it's it's stupid. It's all around really bad. Go ahead, Marie. So I didn't really know, and I feel bad putting Matt kind of like under pressure explaining what happened, right? Because a lot of times when I was talking to Matt, he's like, oh, they fired the Broncos coach, right? Just because he wasn't coaching right. So I thought this was just another thing, right? Obviously, don't condone any of this. Horrible. I'm definitely going to read into this because I'm curious now about this. But I really think that sometimes fame really gets to these coaches. They are just in this little bubble that they think they're unstoppable, unbeatable. No one can touch them because they've coached for so long and they have this huge contract. And, you know, Michigan State, I think, is a pretty good team, right? So, you know, have been um, pretty much getting great scores and making the team super great. And so I think a lot of times they just think that I'm untouchable and so – they are going to just keep doing what they're doing and they just don't think, right? You always have that little voice inside of you and I love you, mom, if you're listening, but you're not. And I'm going to tell you to listen because your daughter showed up on this podcast tonight is you should always listen to your little inside voice, right? And a lot of times I feel like that inside voice just goes away because of how famous you are and how much you think that you are just unstoppable. And so I think he deserves what he's getting, right? I think it should have been an immediate termination. Obviously, I don't know what the rules are with, you know, everything else because – I think somebody should be immediately fired and, you know, moving on because you don't want to have anything related to that with your team, especially with somebody who is doing something so horrible, right? It's not like he accidentally, like, mowed his back his neighbor's backyard zigzaggy. You know, I'm just saying it's, like, not something that's super minor. It's a super major and horrible thing. So the reason that they couldn't fire him immediately is because they actually have to go through the investigation. Like, that's a legal part of it. Um, and... And so instead of firing him, they, they basically placed him on leave. They suspended him. He's not with the team or anything. Um, so he he will have no contact with the team. And that's why, to to, to introduce this topic, we, we kind of put in parentheses, like Michigan State suspended their coach, but he will be fired essentially because they have to carry out the investigation to its fullest extent. 
to be able to like actually you know have the charges pr- you know pressed and all that like so it's more of a legal thing that like this just kind of has to be done in terms of him being actually fired but the good news is well it's not good for him but what I was thinking then, based off of knowing nothing about Michigan State, is that this is probably a good thing because if he was doing these horrible things, he probably just either wasn't coaching correctly, was being very negative, and was bringing down his team, I think. And so this might be a good thing for Michigan State because obviously they have these great players, they're a great team, but they may have a more positive coach that may push them even more, and so maybe Michigan State could dominate. Yeah, it's it's that's kind of it. Um, it, it's more so the fact that so a couple of years ago, Mel Tucker, he so he used to be the coach of Colorado. He did he did okay there. This was before Deion Sanders time. He did okay there. He gets to Michigan State his first year, and again we talk about the transfer portal and all this stuff. He brings in a ton of transfers. Kenneth Walker the third being one of them who now the now play, there we go. See, uh, and so he was a big product of Mel Tucker's success in his first year. I think he went eleven and three or eleven and two. In his first year at Michigan State, it was like they're back, right? Because they've been they they had been good in like the early two thousands to like two thousand fourteen fifteen. They kind of hit a downslope during Mark D'Antonio's kind of final years there, and then they hire Mel Tucker in his first year. He's amazing, and ever since then, well, at least the two years since then, it has been very bad for Michigan State. But the problem is, after that first year, which again, don't count your chickens before they hatch. After the first year, seeing him go 11-2, and two, bringing in all these transfers, they signed him to a 10-year, $90 million contract without realizing, as we've kind of detailed throughout this entire process of the transfer portal and NIL and everything, it is not sustainable to bring be bringing in transfers as your entire team every single year unless you're, you know, literally Texas, Alabama, Florida State, these, these schools that are, you know, Michigan State's a, a big brand, a big school, a great football team, but not, obviously not on the level of Florida State, LSU, and, and Alabama. So... So right, so they so they signed him to this, this insane contract. He then, basically, the team sucks because he's not able to consistently bring in these transfers that helped him get such a good record, helped him get this contract in the first place. And the question then becomes, how do we get out of this contract? Now, the only way essentially to get out of a contract, or at least to fire a coach in in a situation in which he hasn't done anything illegal is to literally pay it's it's called paying a buyout which means that whatever money you have not paid him that is left on his contract you are obligated legally obligated to pay him the remainder of that money in order for him to be ousted as the football coach right so if Mel Tucker you know in the next couple of years Michigan State like absolutely goes down the toilet and they win one game or two games every year uh and there's still 7 years and 70 million dollars left on his contract if they want to get rid of Mel Tucker as a football coach, they would have to pay him that $70 million in order to fire him and then bring in someone else. The good thing, though, is that because he did something illegal, they have – I mean, this is a whole, you know, com law, like, legal thing. It's called firing for cause. They have a cause – which justifies the reason to fire him, and therefore they get out of the contract, they don't have to pay him any money, and he now has lost himself $90 million. Wow. Well, let me tell you, sometimes, right, I'd like to give a special shout-out to the nurses and the people who save lives because they should be the ones getting paid $90 million, not some, excuse my language, scumbag like Mel Tucker who should be um, continue to pay his contract, which I know he will be found guilty, and, and I know they will suspend him, and goodbye, Mel Tucker. So that brings it to the first episode of First Down Rundown 
for Reen Bean, right? I like to call myself Reen Bean, have a lot of nicknames. Seems like, you know, I'm called Madame Vozar and Reen and Marine and um, come over here, girlfriend. We you know, right? I'm just called a bunch of different things. So um, if you appreciated me having on the podcast, Hayden actually doesn't know that I did the podcast tonight. He just told Matt, I got too much work to do. I need to play with my hair. I'm not going to have time to do the podcast. So Matt had been, you know, obviously this is why we're married. We were just thinking, I told him, hey, you know, I was thinking in my head, maybe I should just talk about a little bit on the podcast only because so many things happened with the bills and I'd been promised so many different appearances and they had never been asked to do those appearances. And we come back together and Matt's like, hey, I was thinking maybe you should help me with the podcast. And so that's when I said, yes, I'm in. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I know that you guys will be overjoyed for Hayden to be back. Um, sounds like they probably will do it sometime this weekend, right? Two episodes a week. I'm used to it on the schedule now. And then hopefully very soon, um, we will be able to be back on. I really think I should have a special appearance um, in two weeks when we come back from the Bills Commanders game that we are going to see in person, right? Night before, I'll be seeing the Jonas Brothers. I know that Hayden and Matt are pretty bummed to miss out on that. But the next day with our dad, we're going to be seeing the game. So I think it'd be pretty cool to do a podcast after the fact with me talking about what I thought it was the real life football, which I know some of the boys, especially my husband, do not like watching in person because they like to see eight screens at once. So, Matt, any closing remarks? No, I think you covered it. And I think that's a great idea because, yes, we will be going to the Bills and Commanders game uh, about a week and a half for week three of the NFL. So, yeah, I mean, all that being said, I'm very thankful for Marine coming on this episode. I think, it, I mean, she did a great job. I was I was surprised. I mean, seriously. I mean, she's a teacher, so we all kind of knew that, you know, she'd be able to talk. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so all that being said, that will close out the episode for this week. Please, I forgot to mention this in the, in the start of the show, um, but if you're still listening, first of all, you're the real deal because I would have turned myself off a long time ago. They would um, turn me off. They though. would. That's right. They stayed because Maureen was was on the podcast the entire time, and she was the one keeping us keeping us going today. But please leave a rating on the show. I don't know how to do it on Spotify, but on Apple, you literally just go and put a five star rating and just tell us how much you love us. Or but if and I've, how beautiful you are, obviously. That's right. That's right. Even though you can't see me, which I don't know. We're I'm going to try to get a YouTube stream going because I think that'd be kind of cool. Um. So yeah, that's in the future. But I have to research that and and how to do it first because I don't know anything about that. But. Give us a five star. Even if you hate me and you don't want to hear me talk and, and you were like, what is this guy talking about? What is he doing? I I, this, he, I hate what he's saying and he's just so stupid. Just leave a five star review, but tell me that I suck because then, I mean, that's how I get better. But we also get no, a five star review for the show. It would never suck. The five star reviews actually help or the reading, ratings in general help to get the show notified, help us get ad revenue because we haven't gotten any of that yet. Um, this is just truly a passion of mine, and that's why I keep doing it. So with that, it'll close out the episode for today. I think I'm not – we might be able to do one over the weekend, me and Hayden, depending on kind of when he comes home or what his schedule is looking like for the weekend. Um, but I think we're kind of busy, so maybe not. Either way, uh, the next podcast will definitely be talking about the NFL Week 2 and the College Football Week 3 with some kind of carryover topics that I mentioned during the episode uh, today. So thank you all for listening, and have a great rest of the week. Peace.